Brittany Estep. And I'm Chip Richter. And you're listening to the Roots and Wings podcast. A conversation about faith, family, and parenting. We're glad you're listening. All of the teens sat in the same section at church, so he just happened to to slide into the pew where I was sitting, and I remember looking at him and thinking, I'm gonna marry him someday. And so when he went back to, um, to college after break, I went up to his mother at church and say, hey, could I have your son's address? So I started writing him, and he thought it was cute at first until he realized, well, wait a minute, this could develop into something. And so he tells people, that I chased him until he caught me. That's hilarious, I love that. I also love like your, your spunkin bravery, like, excuse me, um, can I have your son's address? That's like asking for a son's <laughs> phone number now, like, can I have your son's phone number? Exactly, but you, hey, when you know what you want and you, yeah. and you feel like, hey, there's a possibility that this could be someone that I wanna spend the rest of my life with, you might as well go for it. You might as well go for it. You might as well go for it. That's right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, We're excited to be here today. You just heard uh, a small clip of what's coming. That was um, my mother-in-law, Diane Estep, who I had um, the privilege to sit down and and interview. She was um, visiting Jeff and I this past week, just passing through and spending a couple days with us. And I kind of just looked at her at one point and I was like, hey, I think you're pretty great. Can I interview you? <laughs> and she was, <laughs> and she was, you're pretty great. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, wait, what? Um, and she did, she did ask like, this is just my voice, right? I don't have to get like all dressed up. I was like, no, no, we're just going to chat. So, um, that's what we had a chance to do. And I'm excited, um, for you all to get, uh, to know her a, a little bit because she is worth um, knowing for sure. Yeah, it was a great interview, and I really appreciated um, listening to what you guys talked about. You know, it was a very, it was kind of kind of cool because it was you could tell that you guys are good friends, that you enjoy spending time together, that you enjoy just talking. And you, you know, in fact, there was I, I shared with you earlier as I was doing some of the editing um, for this, I kind of took out a few things. Uh, you know, because it was just very, you know, it could just it was just sort of personal between you guys, which was really sweet and good. Um, but it was, I could just tell it was a kind of felt like you were eavesdropping on a little like a private <laughs> private conversation. You know, the, the the people sitting at the table like beside you and how you kind of like mm-hmm. listen in or something. So anyway, it was a really nice, uh, really cool interview. But really, it's some really cool points um, that she shared uh, about raising um, boys about being a cheerleader for her kids about the idea that it takes a village. Um, you know, it takes a community of people. And she, I think Diane gives some really good encouragement for, um, for our listeners. So I think people are going to really love this. This is a episode one, um, because the interview y'all chatted for a while. So I know we're chatty. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we, uh, we, we've got this in two episodes. So I think people are going to love this. I think, but we need to give people a heads up this first episode. Um, Actually, the whole interview. You it wasn't just the two of you being recorded. Also, no. your dog, your dog Bailey, gets gets uh, on the microphone. She, she tends to work her way in a lot of situations. Yeah, I apologize, everybody. She has um, 
she had some dog tendencies that you may hear um some toy yeah, playing some growling so i just if you hear that i'm not growling yeah. she's not growling some, it's just my dog some some monster sneezing <laughs> yeah. she actually sneezes uh, at one point and then i couldn't i couldn't get it out because you guys were still talking you just ignored her but yeah so if you hear of an animal growling don't be alarmed it's 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 Bailey protecting the girls there, and it's all good. So <laughs> yeah, it's all right. good. Well, but, let's get um, yeah, let's, let's get, get, get rolling. Any, huh? Anything else you want to say about this before we start? Nope. Let's just do it. <laughs> all right, let's just do it. All right. Okay. We hope you enjoy this one. Here you go, Brittany and Diane Step. I have a very, very special guest with me today. One of my favorite people in the entire world and one of my very best friends, and it happens to be my mother-in-law, Diane Eastup. She's like, what are we talking about? Because I haven't <laughs> told her anything. She um, and Eddie, my father-in-law, I think has raised two amazing boys. And I just wanted to kind of pick her brain and hear her heart on the things that are important to her because I think that we can all... Um, get a little something from her for sure. So first of all, just tell us, how, how did you grow up? Like, what was your family life like? How many siblings did you have? And Sure. Yeah. Growing up in a small town in West Virginia um, was a perfect opportunity for both Eddie and I to see, uh, to see what it meant to be a family. Uh, mm -hmm. Both of us come from strong families. Um, our parents are both still living and have strong marriages, have been married close to 60 years. And so we have a oh. great example of what uh, a family means. And so I grew up with a, an older brother. Mike, he's three years older than my sister and I, and I have an identical twin sister, <laughs> So, which is a lot of fun. But our parents um, were the best parents, I thought. They were our biggest cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned from them, that they helped us at a young age uh, think that we could accomplish anything. Um, I remember when Jesus was not a part of our family, mm -hmm. and I remember when he became a part of our family. And um, it was like doing a, a complete about face for our family. Hmm. So that's one of the things, that's a pivotal moment that I remember as a young child. How, how old were you when that happened? Uh, my sister and I were in second grade. Oh, and but you remember clearly. I remember, yes. Hmm. It was amazing um, how the home life changed whenever Jesus was invited into our home. How, how, did, like, how did that change? Like, what did that look like for you? Well, first of all, it changed because our family went to church oh. as a family, hmm. but it also meant that my parents' relationship mm. between the two of them changed, and it was noticeable, and you felt it in the home, and um, priorities changed. So it really, it just, whenever, whenever I say it was an about face, whenever you have parents who aren't serving the Lord and don't have a relationship with the Lord and then they invite him into their relationship and into the home and into the family it just makes all the difference hmm. that's that's really um I think that's really unique and cool that you had a chance to like see that mm -hmm. that change and that witness like just even at like you're we probably eight or something when right. that happened which right. is pretty cool that that's set. 
um, atone for you. And I, I do know her parents because they are Jeff's grandparents. So they're now my grandparents and they are pretty incredible people. And they have become their grandkids' biggest cheerleaders yes. too. So that's pretty, um, that's like, I've seen that. Like if that's at all how they were when you were growing, growing up. Right, and you know what's interesting is that um, my both of my parents, well, my mom especially, her grandparents prayed for her and prayed for my dad before they were, before they had a relationship with Christ. Hmm. And so I remind my parents when they start to get maybe anxious about a grandchild or uh, nervous mm -hmm. about a path they might be on or a journey that might be taking, I always say, remember that that you and dad had grandparents that prayed for you. So I need you to do that for your grandkids mm -hmm. because that prayer makes a difference. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I'm sure that they do. And yeah. I will say you must have taken that being your kid's cheerleader to heart because like Jeff played baseball in college and you would, <laughs> you would move up here for baseball season, right? You had the flexibility to do that. And yes, we lived in South Carolina and I had a job that I could work from anywhere. And my parents lived about an hour away from the university. So basically for baseball season, I would move in with my parents and the three of us would travel all over Ohio uh, going to the ball games and sometimes it would, might be 38 degrees and snowing and we would be the only three people in the stands, but we were there. We, we were, were kind there. of the, the cheerleaders for the team. Yeah, that's awesome. That's just one of the many ways that she's her kids cheerleaders. But tell us, how did you, um, how did you meet Eddie? Well, Eddie and I <laughs> grew up in the same small town in West Virginia and grew up in that same church where my parents were saved. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yep. Eddie was away at college and came home to visit um, for Christmas break. And all of the teens sat in the same section at church. So he just happened to, to slide into the pew where I was sitting. And I remember looking at him and thinking, I'm going to marry him someday. Really? Absolutely. I remember that. And so when he went back to, um, to college after break, I went up to his mother at church and say, hey, could I have your son's address? Did you? Did he know you at all? Well, he knew who I was, but he was a couple years older than me, so he kind of knew I was a dorm twin, but didn't really know me. Know you. So I started writing him, and he thought it was cute at first until he realized, well, wait a minute, this could develop into, <laughs> into something. And so he tells people, that I chased him until he caught me. That's hilarious. I love that. I love that. Um, I also love like your your spunk and bravery to be like, excuse me, um, can I have your son's address? That's like asking for a son's phone number now. Like, can I have your son's phone number? Exactly. But you, hey, when you know what you want and you yeah. and you feel like, hey, there's a possibility that this could be someone that I want to spend the rest of my life with. You might as well go for it. How old were you when you when he slid into that seat and you're like, this is someone that I, that I want to marry? I was 15. You were 15. Close to 16, but I was 15. And then that summer, whenever I was 16, uh, we kind of spent quite a bit of time together that summer and then kind of started dating then mm -hmm. that following fall. And then when did y'all get married? In, I was 19. So it was a year after we graduated okay. or I graduated high school. 
And so what, where did that take you after that? Like you got married, you were in West Virginia and then mm-hmm. what, where did you go? Eddie was on staff at a church as a youth pastor, um, as associate pastor at a church. And he uh, knew that he, uh, God was calling him to go to Nazarene Theological Seminary in Kansas City. And so about six weeks after we were married, we loaded everything we owned, which was not a lot, into a <laughs> U-Haul truck and moved from the small town in West Virginia all the way to Kansas City, Missouri, And that really was a pivotal time for us, moving away from family when I was 19 and Mm -hmm. Eddie was 24. um, I had never lived away from home, so it gave us an opportunity to kind of grow up a little together. Um, We couldn't run to mom or dad if we were ever upset with the other person. Mm -hmm. We kind of were in the same boat together, so we learned how to do life together on our own. And, of course, with the Lord, we relied a lot on the Lord and learned a lot about each other and about what it meant to be adults um, those three years that we lived in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Is there one big thing that you're like, man, this was the nugget that I took away from those three years when it was just just us? Um, I don't know that I can think of one nugget except for what I what I just said, just Whenever you have an opportunity, whenever you rely on the other person and they are the person that you kind of grow up together, you bounce ideas off of or off each other, you encourage one another, you pick a church together, you pay bills together, you clean together, you do homework, you finish projects together, mm-hmm. uh, you find new friends together. When you do that, whenever you're starting out on a marriage, you kind of realize how much you need the other person. I mean, you love the other person, but I think you find out, we found out how much we needed each other. Hmm. Um, and I think we learned that at an, at an yeah, early stage. Age, yeah. When was Josh born? Was that three years after you were married? Or? It was three years. It was the spring. It was the spring that Eddie graduated. Uh, Joshua was born and... Eddie graduated in May, and then we moved back to West Virginia to pastor. Um, Eddie's first senior pastor position was in Ripley, West Virginia, and Josh would have been about six weeks old when oh, we wow. moved. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Eddie is in ministry. Right. So you guys have all have always been right. in full-time pastoral past- ministry. Yeah, pastoral, mm-hmm. that's a, yeah, pastoral ministry, um, which is an adventure I am sure <laughs> um, that I would love to lean into more about. Um, but tell us, what was like your biggest fears as a new mom? Oh, I remember when Joshua was born, and he was a big baby, really. I mean, he was right over eight pounds. Oh, and I can remember thinking, can you guys just keep him here in the hospital for maybe three or four months till he gets a little bigger? And he was, and he was a decent-sized baby. Because like he was too small to take home. I- exactly. I-, I know that I always wanted to be a mom and the thought of having this little son um, I I don't even know that I can express uh, the joy that he brought to our home and to be able to move to our first church with this bundle of joy and Mm -hmm. to move back closer to grandparents which Mm -hmm. was a true gift they lived about an hour apart from where we were living and um, to move to a church where it was a small church at that point. They probably ran 60 or 70 people, but there were a lot. There were probably five or six other babies in the church. Oh, wow. So I 
you know, we started at this church with other young parents who were learning with their first, learning what it meant to be a parent. Um, it was a lot of fun. He was a great baby. They were all jealous. They he, told He would be a good baby. <laughs> He, he really was a good baby, and all of the other parents told me that they were praying that the second one would be what we would quote call a James Dobson baby. That's hilarious. <laughs> and was he? <laughs> well, you know, there were days, there were seasons. Let's say that the oh, second, seasons. the second child had seasons of being a James Dobson baby. That's, That's the one I married. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You had Josh. Moved, moved to West Virginia. When did Jeff come on the scene? Was it a couple of years after that? Yes. Uh, Jeff came along about three years after. Mm -hmm. And we were in that same small church. We moved again. Mm -hmm. We were in Ripley, West Virginia for about four years and then moved to Maysville, Kentucky. Jeff was about one. And that was another wonderful ministry opportunity um, in that church. And I think what I learned there... Um, about being in ministry and about being a parent is the importance of having adoptive grandparents. Hmm. I remember we had, uh, there was a couple, we lived far from our family, so we didn't get to see them very often. And of course, weren't able to go to church with any of them. Eddie was a pastor, so he would go to church early. And that left me to get two young boys dressed and ready for church. And we had an older couple who became adoptive grandparents. And I can remember going to church and Pop Hall Glenn would be waiting at the door and Josh would go with him and he would take Jeff, who was at time at that time just a little over one. Mm -hmm. And he the kids would go with him, I mean, every Sunday, just like they could not wait to see Pop Hall Glenn. Aww. Well, come to find out that he was taking them downstairs to the Sunday school, adult Sunday school class, and would give them a can of Mountain Dew and a donut <laughs> every single Sunday. So it's like, that uh -huh. that's why they, that's why they cannot wait you. to see Papa Glenn. That is so funny. But I think I learned there the importance of raising your children with people who were part of the community of helping to raise them. Mm -hmm. Having having people, older people, who were willing to invest in them um, I didn't turn that down, that I was, even at a young age, I kind of understood the importance of that. And really, I didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. um, Eddie was busy with his responsibilities, and I was involved in some things at church, too. So to have some people who were willing to invest in them and love on them, um, I, didn't, I didn't look the other way. I, I accepted and received that. Hmm. So like that phrase, and they say it takes a village. It takes a village. You you think yes. that is a true statement? You know, I do think it's a true statement. I think that anytime we think that we are the only ones that can invest wisdom in raising our kids, we're kind of uh, maybe shortchanging them somewhat. Hmm. Other people see things from a different perspective, and sometimes we see things so close up that we're not able maybe to have as good peripheral vision or to hmm. see around the corner. And when you have other people that that you trust and have uh, love for your children. Um, I think you want to, to acknowledge that and to receive any kind of wisdom that they might mm -hmm. give you. Hmm. I really like that. Donuts and all. <laughs> Mountain Dew donuts. Um, well, what would you, so you had two boys. Yes. Um, two fun, spunky, athletic little boys and no, no daughters, right? You just the two boys right. you had. Um, but, 
what what was it what was it like being a mom of two boys? Like if you could if you could help a mom of boys, what would be the like what would you want to tell them? Oh my goodness, I loved and I still love being the mom of two boys. Um, there there is nothing like raising a boy. You know, I've never raised a girl, but I have nieces and I a lot of our friends had little girls. Um but there's just something special about a mama and her boys. Mm -hmm. And I have always felt like Josh and Jeff were true gifts from the Lord um, and that he entrusted Eddie and I with these two precious gifts. And my, and especially with a husband who was so involved in pastoral ministry and leading a church that it, I felt like it was one of my main responsibilities to make sure the home life kept running. Hmm. Um, and that included re reminding Eddie at times that his first congregation was his home, was hmm. his wife and his boys. That, that, that is a really good line and probably a hard separation to find sometimes. Right, um, right. And, you know, you hear a lot of people saying that, that moms have special relationships with their sons. There is a lot of truth to that. When, when I hear or see uh, parents of either sons or daughters who don't really realize the gift that they have, to me it's heartbreaking mm. um, because you can't get a year or two back and every year is different. It's like a new season. And I believe that our kids need us for every season. Hmm. So when I envision boys, and I just know them from being married to one, but sometimes they're not the most chatty, you know? Right. How did you, like, how did you connect with your boys? How did you, because I will say to everybody, I think that Jeff and Josh talked to you, they talked to you a lot, like, Probably, I mean, I've always been so impressed by that. Mm -hmm. um, Jeff, even when we were dating in college, like he would always, he would always be like, "Hey, I gotta call my mom," or this or that, which I loved because I was like, "Man, she must be really cool um, <laughs> that he would do that." And they've always been able to talk to you very easily. So, how did you kind of cultivate this atmosphere of like open communication, or what did you do to connect with them? There, there are probably a couple things that contributed. I don't know if there's one thing that was like the aha thing, but small things like um, choosing to pick our battles. Hmm. So I wasn't constantly nagging them about everything. That if it really was important in the long run that I tried not to nag them. I think if you, you ride your kids too hard, it gets to the point where they kind of stifle conversation and also that it's it was expected. Hmm. It was like I didn't feed into them, boys don't talk, mm -hmm. or boys are more quiet. I never really said that. Hmm. It's interesting. I remember when Josh was just little, and I had him in a cart at a store, and a, an older lady from church came up to us, and I said something about, yes, you know, he's ornery. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll never forget that she, she told me that if you tell him he's ornery, he will be ornery. Hmm. So I think I, I learned a lot from that, that what we tell our kids, they will become. Hmm. So if we tell our boys, oh, boys don't talk as much, or boys aren't emotional, hmm. that that's what they will become. Mm -hmm. So at an early age, mm -hmm. I was young, and Joshua, our firstborn, was young, I learned that I don't want to 
verbalize or tell them something mm -hmm. that I is a general statement. Yeah, I wanted you don't, to like, pull speak from over there. something over them. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot because maybe that's something that we do as a culture and society. We tend to like like put people in brackets mm -hmm. and maybe even we do that with gender a little bit and like like you said they're not emotional well maybe they right. maybe they, they would want to be but they didn't know they could be or something right um i like that and you know like Brittany, you're you're chatty you you <laughs> like to talk which is a which is a true gift i mean that's i love having conversations with you and Jeff really isn't that much of a chatty person. Mm -hmm. Now he'll talk, yeah, he... but I think what you do is you you set time, you celebrate those small conversations that you can have. Hmm. So if I can have a two or three minute conversation with my son on the phone, I'm gonna celebrate that yeah. and not be disappointed. Oh, we only talked for two or three minutes. Hmm. I wish it would have been 25 or 30. Yeah. I'm gonna celebrate those two to three minutes and make the most of it when they mm -hmm. call or whenever yeah. I have an opportunity to talk. That's great. I love that. We just, last week we just had a podcast about celebrating the big, small and in-between moments. And I love oh. that idea of mm -hmm. just like, not like harping on what you didn't get but mm -hmm. celebrating and um, taking in what you did get, and that's awesome. All right, well, that's the end of episode one, the interview that Brittany did with her mother-in-law, Diane Stepp. I hope uh, you guys have, are getting a little bit of a picture of the special relationship between Brittany and Diane. I, I appreciate that as, uh, you know, as her dad and seeing, you know, marrying off my daughter, you know, you want, you want your kids to go into a really good family. And, um, I think we definitely have that happening. We, we love our son-in-law, Jeff, and I really appreciate, uh, Jeff's mom and dad, Diane and Eddie and his brother, Josh. I just appreciate the whole clan and you get, you're getting to know them a little bit. So good job, Britt. I, I think uh -huh. it was, uh, this was cool. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and, um, I'm excited for next week too, for you guys to hear, um, the other part cause she has some more good things to say. So stay tuned. Very good. Very good. Diane, um, and Eddie travel and they do ministry and she, they're, they're both very busy and their schedules are very full. She does a lot of, they do a lot of marriage clinics and workshops, seminars, and she is definitely, a woman with some wisdom and a heart for ministry and a heart to encourage other women. So I hope that this is what's happening for all of you, too. So we'll look forward to next week's episode. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks, everybody. We hope you guys are appreciating the podcast and uh, share it with your friends. Let people know about what's going on and uh, come back again next week for episode two. Yeah, let's see you next week, y'all. See ya. Bye.